0: We're going to gin now. Imagine if you could be helping the ecosystem, but knowing that you've helped in the battle of the gorse all through having an award-winning gin. Well, now you can. There's a couple in Marlborough who are making gin with gorse and it's part of their business to operate a sustainable distillery. Ben Leggett, one half of the distillery duo is with me now. Kia ora, Ben. Thanks for being with us.
1: Kia ora, Sue. It's a pleasure.
0: Um. What was the idea here, making gin but not wanting to have such an impact on the environment?
1: <laughs> I'd like to be honest in saying that um, uh, the choice of using gorse as a botanical wasn't driven primarily from an environmental perspective to begin with, but actually from a flavour perspective, trying to you know, find an incredible aromatic profile to our gin. Um, and the fact that gorse not only did that, but also allowed us to sort of look and play a little bit with how we might be able to control at least even in a small way, um, the spread of gorse was, yeah, was, was if anything, a bonus on top.
0: Yeah, what does gorse taste like?
1: <laughs> yeah, so gorse itself is um, uh, is almost like a very, very sharp coconut aromatic when it's fresh. But once we've actually picked it, we um, we dehydrate it so that we can obviously have it um, for the next season. And, uh, and when you do, it sort of goes quite dry and, and quite grassy and quite inert. But once you leave it to almost cure, um for a period of around about a month these big bright tropical tones and chamomile pop out of it and that's that's the stuff that gets us really excited
0: how do you keep it to kind of almost ferment for that period of time you must need quite a lot of it
1: Uh, Yeah, we definitely need a lot of it. Um, It uh, doesn't exactly ferment per se, but it starts to rehydrate um, after you've dried it and it slightly starts going over. So it starts to brown up and that process sort of opens up these other aromatics. But um, yeah, it was something that actually happened accidentally. So once we started playing with it, it didn't quite do what we wanted, but once we came back to it after a period of time, it just opened up this entire new profile for us. So yeah, quite nice.
0: So how did you figure that out? Was it that you left it and went on holiday and came back and discovered much, how yeah. brilliant it
1: was. The, the choice to go with gorse in the first place was uh, our gin um, has five botanicals in it um, up to this point. And I wanted a sixth aromatic botanical to kind of add the aromatic profile and complexity. And it was um speaking to foragers who are some of the greatest minds um, in uh, in all things botanical and it was one of them that suggested gorse flowers and I'm married to a lovely english girl and and spent time in the uh, in the u k as well and over there gorse is, is perennial and not a pest at all, so people have been making things like wines and um and teas out of gorse flour for for generations so it sort of piqued my interest from there, really.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think there are quite a lot of aspects of your uh, distillery operation that have an eye on the environment and, and trying to reduce the impact. Um, what sort of things have you put in place?
1: Yeah, correct. So um, so our distillery called Elemental Distillers is located in Marlborough, right in the heart of the vineyards um, and surrounded on two sides by pinot and grapes, which is quite spectacular. And, um, and it can be visited also, you know, when cycling between cellar doors and Marlborough. So we've got a lovely, lovely location. But what's unique is the distillery is built out of upcycled shipping containers. It's got two stories. It's been cladded in New Zealand cedar. We've got solar panels um, on the top of the containers. And we've got a, um, a water recirculation system and gravity fed ethanol systems and things like that. And even our spent botanicals, um, after we've distilled our gin, um, get fed into, uh, into worm farms on site so we can put vermicompost back into the land as well. So lovely little touches um, that allow us to be as sustainable as possible whilst also obviously taking botanicals for the use in our gin.
0: Um, now when people are talking about gin or um, thinking about gin, I guess you inevitably think about juniper. Um, right. That doesn't grow here though, does it?
1: it? Not easily. There's a lot of people doing some amazing work towards trying to grow some New Zealand crops for juniper. It's an incredibly... Um, long process Um, it takes about 8 to 10 months on average to mature before it can even produce berries it's a dioecious species Uh, the female is the one that produces the uh the, the berries while the male is the one that pollinates so you need you know quite a lot of plants to get a very small amount of berries out of it and then even when it does produce berries it takes about 18 months to ripen and it doesn't have a single vintage so you've got to keep going back to the same bushes and getting little bits at a time so an amazing uh, process to have some new zealand juniper it's a conifer so it would grow incredibly well in our climate but it's the long game um that said you know, we're a uh, we're a land of of kiwi fruits and avocados, so we're we're somewhat used to playing the long game at the same time. So exciting when we can.
0: Absolutely. In the meantime, though, where do you get your juniper from?
1: Ours comes from North Macedonia. So uh, we work with an incredible father and son team um, who uh, are based actually in in East Sussex in England, and they visit North Macedonia, which is located just above Greece, uh, about five times a year, and they hand forage it themselves with local farmers and um, and then uh, they process it for shipping, and we import it through them at about 200 kilograms at a time. So an incredible traceable story, um, and especially when it comes down to juniper. Not only do we want that degree of sustainability and, and control of who's harvesting it and where they're harvesting it, but that single origin of North Macedonia, in a similar way to different single origin coffees, produces an incredible flavor profile that plays hero in our gin.
0: Uh, a lot of these sustainable and ethical... Um choices and practices that you are involving in your distillery is that kind of thing going to become more and more the norm
1: I hope so I hope so there's definitely overseas um, a lot of a lot more um, attention even from a supplier and wholesaler um, perspective for uh, brands that have a form of sustainability recognition or certification behind them and when it comes to the gin you know our entire story is built up in these beautiful botanicals what they are where they come from how we grow on. and so that degree of traceability is becoming more and more sought after not only from a consumer perspective but from a distributors perspective as well so hopefully we'll only see more and more of that um, uh, be pushed as it goes forward.
0: What about using the glass bottles, which of course are pretty heavy, I guess? But um, you know, is refilling the bottle yeah. something that we should also be doing more of and seeing more of?
1: Absolutely, and uh, and it's a big trend that's already starting to happen domestically here in here in New Zealand, and a lot of little uh, micro distillers like myself um, are using bottle. Um, refilling systems um, of their own. We're very um, lucky to be partnered up with an incredible global initiative called Spirits. they produce these incredible 4.5 litre totes, they they're called, which is roughly the equivalent of buying a case of gin. But instead of, say, a restaurant or a bar buying a six-pack of gin, they can get one of these totes and they can use it to refill the same empty bottles that they've already used and therefore purchase it at a much cheaper price because the packaging isn't involved. As such, they're almost by default, um, proactively more sustainable in helping to mitigate the amount of glass usage. And um, and for every single one of these totes that uh, gets sold or, or distributed to a bar or a restaurant, a, a mangrove is planted in um, in a delta in Borneo, and the full traceability of that works through the same incredible eco-spirit system. So we're very, very proud to be part of that uh, uh, and to have that available in New Zealand.
0: Hmm. Now, of course, we started this talking about the gorse um, and its flavour profile that you were talking about. And this isn't just about um, taking some of the gorse off the hills. Uh, I think the gin that you make from it and using the gorse as a botanical is a bit of a winner.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, we've done pretty well. So our gin is called Roots Marble Dry Gin. And uh, and Roots has um, uh, got... um, uh, Basically, we received a, an award this year, which was at the World Gin Awards, which is held in London, and uh, it was for the world's best London Dry Gin. So, again, you know, even with all of these incredible practices and um, and whatnot, we still a just yet another boutique distillery in New Zealand who is um, getting recognised overseas, and it's um, it's great to see that I'm not the only one in this country that are producing amazing. Uh, new products and spirits and uh, and to see that as a nation we're starting to get recognized more and more on a global level so yeah that was pretty amazing for us.
0: Yeah, Congratulations thank, thank you very, you very much, much for your time on Afternoons that's Ben Leggett there uh, from the Elemental Distillery there.